Hello there. Welcome to the Africa Rights Talk Podcast, a center for human rights podcast series exploring a range of human rights issues through conversations with academics, practitioners, and activists. I am your host, Victoria Amici. Let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of Africa Rights Talk. I'm here with Dr. Mispa Brew, a project officer at the Center for Human Rights. And um, I'm going to give her a second to introduce herself and what she does to you, Dr. Rue. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I've not, I haven't been with the center for that long. I only started March this year. And uh, so far I'm, work, I'm a project coordinator for the CEDA and center project for uh, sexual and reproductive health rights in Africa. Um, but otherwise my, my research focus and what I'm very passionate about is international criminal law and international human rights law and how they overlap with one another. Did my doctorate on genocide and persecution. So those are, and um, another focus area is sexual and gender-based violence, um, whether in an international context or domestic. That's interesting. I think it's a very interesting thing to look at. So today we're here mostly because of the op-ed you wrote on the Daily Maverick and trying to like see how the responsibility of South Africa in um, upholding its international obligations with regards to crimes against humanity. This is also for the audience that don't really understand what international human rights law. So I'm trying to do like the primary basic, you know, engagement with this topic and with this issue. So I would like to ask, what is international human rights law? What are the rights and obligations of South Africa under this international human rights framework? International human rights law is the protection, promotion, fulfillment of human rights, specifically at an international level. Um, And that is by international mechanisms such as the, under the United Nations, Charter. The UN Charter established its own, what we call charter-based organs, but then also there's a number of treaty-based organs at an international level ensuring the protection of human rights. So the the UN organ-based, that would be certain human rights obligations of the General Assembly, Security Council, the Secretary General, etc., the Human Rights Council, um, Office for the High Commissioner for Human Rights, and then treaty-based, there would be, for example, the Convention on Apartheid or Protection of Women. So they would have their own organs as well or their own mechanisms. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Thank you for that brief clarity as to what it is. Now, South Africa is party to many international human rights um, treaties, right? A party to the Rome Statute. What is the ICC and what is like their powers. It seems that they have some powers and also like some limitations as to the extent of their exercise of their powers. What are the powers and limitations of the International Criminal Court? I'll start with the the International Criminal Court and what it basically is. So it's it's a very unique criminal court or yeah, it's part of the um, international criminal justice system. And it's the only independent, well, they should all be independent, but it's the only permanent uh, court with criminal jurisdiction. And it's specifically for crimes of um, that are the most serious of concern to the international community. And that includes your core international crimes, genocide, crimes against humanity, war crimes, and 
the crime of aggression. Now, the court has a number of powers and limitations. It's um, uh, yeah, a lot of people expect a lot from the court, um, but it's not to yeah, yeah. There's a lot of expectations yeah. that it um, has to establish peace, etc. But its main purpose is to prosecute, to investigate, and prosecute. Yeah, the crimes that it's got jurisdiction over. And um, the crimes are also only from 2002 when it was established. And then also it is uh, limited in its mandate as to when it can establish jurisdiction. So it can either be um, a state party, a member state of the ICC that refers a, a situation to it, or the chief prosecutor can... Uh, if there's sufficient information, sufficient um, evidence available to uh, that they believe there's sufficient gravity, that's a situation might be international crimes to open an investigation. They obviously need to be authorized for that by the court. Um, and then the last way is by referral by the United Nations Security Council. This is usually in the cases of uh, situations where a state where international crimes are or were committed um, is not a member state. So it's usually member states that the situations relate to, but there's a number of situations under investigation and prosecution at the ICC that's not member states. Ukraine, Putin, both, uh, Russia, both on member states. So that's one of the examples. One of the biggest challenges of the ICC is that its entire functioning and its success depends on cooperation with states. Because without co cooperation with the states, the ICC, it's very difficult to exercise its jurisdiction and to prosecute, to investigate even. And as we see with uh, when it comes to a non-member state party, especially if that state party is a very powerful one, such yeah. as Russia mm -hmm. or any permanent member of the Security Council, it is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. So it and and the cooperation also that depends on or th that includes any state uh, state in the international community. It's not only state parties, but a, a huge obstacle or challenge is, as we see now, a member state. South Africa that is already hinting towards not going to fulfill their obligations and not having fulfilled their obligations with al-Bashir when he visited the country. So I would say non-cooperation with the ICC and then also pushback mm -hmm. with regards to the situations that are under investigation. I read your article and you mentioned the non-alignment approach to the whole situation of Ukraine's special war. Do you think South Africa will have any like a push back and not welcome him or they'll have the same approach to Arbish? I hope they won't have the same no. approach. Um, I'm not, as we sit here, the, it keeps changing. Keeps he changing. is invited. No, he's not invited. Yeah. You know, Oh, he is coming. He's not coming, oh, yeah. etc. cetera. But um, my hope is that he, they will, that he will not come to South Africa, okay. but more importantly, I, I sincerely hope that South Africa will act in terms of its obligations. As we're sitting here today, there is very, the domestic obligations is the strongest. We've, that we didn't have. That we didn't have with Al-Bashir. Now we've got the two judgments by South African courts, the ICC decision, but also we still have our Implementation Act. And that won't change before August, yeah. unfortunately, for our government. Back to that same question, 
with South Africa pushing back on threatening to withdraw from the ICC, coming back again to say, no, we are still part of the ICC. This back and forth, what does it say about the South Africa's commitment to human rights protection? Not very good things, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Not very good yeah. things. South Africa says the policy throughout mm. since 1994 mm. with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission yeah. Peace, dialogue, um, reconciliation, mediation, diplomacy. The decision was made back then we, that they didn't want to establish a Nuremberg-style mm. tribunal. So the, the decision not to prosecute mm. international crimes has been the same throughout. It's always this, let's talk about it, let's have um, diplomacy. But... In, in my opinion, and I feel extremely strong about this, the only way to deal with international crimes is to prosecute. The perpetrators must be punished. It doesn't matter who they are. They must be punished. So it is, for me, it's, it's extremely disappointing because it's, um, it's once again South Africa not taking a very strong stand against this. And it's the, the reality is by protecting by protecting a government of any person that commits international crimes, the impact is they enjoy impunity. Mm -hmm. So you, you are, in essence, what the, the message to the victims is, yes, this person is more important than you. We need to protect this person. We don't care about your human rights and you're protecting you. So for me, that's that... Um, the biggest issue is what is it doing to the victims? You're not protecting the victims. And my concern also is what is the impact of enabling that person to continue with what they're doing yeah. if you don't act, if you don't prosecute that person and hold them accountable? If South Africa pulls out of the ICC, what other obligations for accountability and justice? Like what other national or local national laws bind South Africa to uphold human rights on national and international standards? Do we have any present laws? Yes, I mean, the constitution always, um, our yeah. human rights, uh, pieces of legislation, the Equality Act. There is um, domestically, but for me, one of the biggest um, concerns and things that will uh, be a challenge to South Africa to overcome, especially because this whole thing now, this uh, threatening to withdraw from the ICC, it's it's because of Putin, because of the arrest warrant for him. So withdrawing from the ICC, um, whether it's at an international level or a domestic level, the implications will be severe. So at a domestic level, the Implementation Act will either have to be amended or it has to be repealed. But the ICC, in the drafters of the ICC, in, um, I think, foresaw a situation like this where a state is friends with another state, where there's an arrest warrant and they don't want to comply with their obliga obligations. Apologies. So, Article 127 mm -hmm. of the ICC statute is actually gold in this um, aspect because um, sub-article 1 talks about that the state that wants to withdraw must submit a written a notice to the Secretary-General of the United Nations, but it will only take effect after one year. But, and this is a huge but, when a state sends this notification of withdrawal, they are not discharged from any obligations arising from the statute while it was a party, mm -hmm. 
it does not relieve them or discharge them from any obligations to cooperate with the ICC when it comes to investigations and proceedings that was already commenced before that state issued or sent its withdrawal notice. And after, up until a year after South Africa has withdrawn, they still have to cooperate. And they will still have to cooperate even after for however long. That notice of withdrawal will not prejudice the continued consideration of any matter that was already under consideration at the ICC prior to the date when the withdrawal will be effective. So those obligations to arrest Putin will unfortunately not go away, even if South Africa is not a member state anymore. We come to the concluding part of this the podcast. What are your concluding remarks about this um, this whole debacle? And what role do you expect or do you see South Africa playing in August when if if, mm. if indeed he comes over? What role do you think SA sh- like the government should play when it comes to what side should they be on when it comes to Ukraine Russia war? My sincere hope is that South Africa would um, contribute to protecting the victims in Ukraine, but if it w- insists on continuing with its non-aligned stance and its neutrality, so-called neutrality. Um, but if they con- if they insist on that non-alliance, they have to start acting like that. There cannot be any type of situations where there is evidence of arms being provided, things like that, because the, the risk there for South Africa is that um, there could be prosecution even in that from the ICC, because if that is true, supplying weapons, um, assisting in the commission of international crimes is prosecutable and it could even be mean state responsibility for south africa if that can be if those type of actions are true i mean in normal like common law that's yes. that's that's true so yeah. that, should, that should apply to international standards i guess exactly. yeah when you are you're aiding a bet in yeah. uh, a crime or criminal Exactly. Uh, criminal person. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> this was nice. Um, I wish you could talk more about this issue and this topic and because it's very interesting politics or political conversation. Thank you, Dr. Ru, and I hope you have a nice day. Thank you. And you. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much. You have just listened to the Africa Rights Talk podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channels, social media platforms such as Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for listening.